So we've been here for quite a while now. Quite a full, sustained period of engagement with this practice of exploring what it means to be more fully awake, more fully open, more fully human. We've offered a lot of instruction and framework for ways we can attend, things we can attend to, and perspectives we can bring to reflect upon and contemplate both what we attend to and how we attend to. And I think it's useful to also remember the simple fundamental instruction to be as present, as awake in the simplicity and immediacy of just where you are, just as you are, just this experience right now. And having that as a basis for a foundational intention Likewise, the body breathing as a foundational object, a place we can always come back to when we need. So at times we may be exploring particular aspects of the practice. But at other times we can simply just rest the attention in the body. Just re-establish the intention to be right here with whatever is here that you are with, that is with you, your experience. One of the areas that we encounter in meditation that can be challenging, can be also very rich, is how we can learn to handle skillfully and with wisdom the experience that we call thought, the experience that we have that we call thinking, and what that is for us to be in contact with a stream of concepts or images or both that articulate very clearly and sometimes strongly, sometimes less clearly or less intensely, but articulate to us messages, information, perspectives, meaning, frameworks of conceiving. It's easy in meditation to imagine that thought is the problem. In fact, the number of people who imagine meditation is when thinking stops, or good meditation is if thinking stops. There is an operation you can have that will do that. (laughs) It's not what we're suggesting. And it's Really good to be clear about that. Thought, we come into retreat perhaps in the shifting away from the common initial perspective that thought is the basis for solving our problems by thinking about them. And clearly it's not that, although it may contribute. 
But if we make thought into the problem now that we have to solve, we're still entangled with thought. And so in this teaching, we're invited to become aware when thinking is taking place that this is what is happening. In the initial stages of the retreat, the encouragement is just to notice that it's happening and come directly back to the body. Because we tend to get entangled. It's enticing, it's compelling, it's sticky, it's juicy, it's intriguing. And it, again, it seems to present with a sense that this will give us the solution to our problems, or, and therefore we should follow it, or this is actually the problem itself, and therefore we should stop it. And either way, we become entangled with the realm of thought. So to begin with, we just notice it, come back to the body. As we deepen, however, in the capacity to be steady, to be in contact with our sense of immediacy, to be embodied and awake, as this capacity naturally deepens through the process of our practice in the course of years or in the trajectory of a period of retreat such as this, it becomes useful and in fact necessary to begin to contemplate thought directly. And this doesn't mean thinking about thought or being lost in thought, but understanding that thought is neither the problem nor the solution, but something to be understood. In fact, one teacher in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition observed, wisdom is just a wandering thought. Interesting. Of course, one could equally observe, and so is delusion. Just another wandering thought. The art here is to know the difference, to see which thoughts express something skillful, useful, wholesome, and which perhaps do not. So, with this, it's useful to be able to just notice what happens for us when this pulse of energy appears in the consciousness. We, in, in, in the Buddha's teaching, it's understood that the, that aspect of what we call mind that receives thought, that cognitive functioning, is understood to be like a sense door, just like an ear that hears a sound that comes to it. The mind receives a thought that comes to it. It doesn't produce the thought itself. It would be a little embarrassing if we were producing all these thoughts after all, when you look at them. It's sometimes maybe we could conceive a little bit using the image of broadcasting. It's like, here's a radio receiver, and here comes the thought. Hmm, interesting. Okay, that DJ seems to be rather excited. I'm not sure I like the playlist, but here it is. Oh, actually, this is my channel. Yeah, I like what's going on here. To be able to just notice how thought appears and that it equally disappears. It can feel so compelling and it's arising and yet when it's gone, who can find the thoughts they've had? How many thoughts have we had on this retreat or let alone our life? Where are they now? They're gone. So solid they might appear, but they're gone. And the thoughts that you're going to have later on this morning or tomorrow, they don't exist. They're not waiting for you around the corner somewhere to catch you. (coughs) 
They arise out of the conditions. Mostly, thought arises in response to, through some association, connection, in terms of content or resonance, with the prior moment's experience, which may be a sight, a sound, a smell, a taste, a touch, or another thought. And when thought arises in response to thought, and another thought, and another thought, we see how quickly we are carried. As uh, Akinshino was uh, quoting the Buddha last night, and the, the speed with which the mind changes, and equally that uh, the Buddha, who was a master of metaphor, observed he could not find a metaphor for the speed with which a thought appears in the mind. It's just there, boom. And yet if we notice, ah, oh, it's a thought. The tendency is to say, it's my thought, it's me thinking, and it's a good thought, and it's a good me that arises with that idea. Or it's a bad thought, and therefore it's a bad me that arises with that thought. We tend to identify with and define ourselves by the content of our thinking very often. Yet if we see how it arises and passes, born of conditions not in our control, manifesting in ways often not of our choosing, we maybe start to question our sense of ownership. We maybe need to take responsibility for thought, and we do. But that is different than somehow claiming production of or ownership of the thought itself. And just to check out our relationship to thought, I have a thought I use for contemplative purposes. And you can try it out for yourself. How's this one? The moon is made of green cheese. It's interesting because I find that it doesn't convince me. It doesn't compel me to have to make sure that no one ever says that or thinks that because I've thought it and it didn't seem to cause any harm. It's just a thought. It's intentional, of course. How was it for you to think it? Maybe amusing. Amusement is sometimes a good quality to bring to bear on the thinking mind. Because a lot of times what it has to say doesn't actually have that much more firm ground underneath it than that particular thought I offered. And yet it appears to, because it comes within a context of often a state of mind, a quality or condition of the chitta that informs and reinforces a sense of validity, significance, weightiness, veracity, truth that the thought may not have, but it feels important because it impacts us with importance or it's connected with coming out of a patterning or an experience that has that quality of impact upon us. And so here, just noticing the thought as a thought. Perhaps noticing that the body is responding, that there may be some intensity in the body connected with the thought and usually linked by the affective response in the chitta from which is both, and it's interesting because the thought can both be a response to the condition in the chitta, and it can also condition the chitta. So we are affected by the thought, and we affect the thoughts that arise in terms of where we are. And when I say we there, I'm talking about the, the condition of our heart and mind. And we see that thoughts come and go. We see, if we contemplate them well, that 
We cannot claim ownership of them. But nor are we required to somehow push them away. Thinking has its place. None of us would have got here without the ability to think, I suspect. It just wouldn't have happened. And so the ability to bring discernment to the thinking process is something that emerges when we can hold the thought clearly as a thought and then sense and check in, is is this actually something that needs more to be done? Most thoughts do not. But sometimes they express wisdom. Sometimes they express compassion and worthy of enacting in that case. We can see sometimes the way in which thinking is connected with our movement into the future. The construction of a sense of something beyond where we are. And how the thought weaves a compelling narrative or constructs an enticing or convincing image of what will be. And in fact, we don't know what will be. To see the thought moving to the future and know it's a thought of future. To begin to recognize the patterns, maybe the top ten tunes that your radio station tends to play you. You know, thoughts about the wonderful things in the future or the terrible things that may be in the future. Thoughts of the wonderful things of the past or the difficult things of the past. Thoughts of how, and a lot of our thoughts are about us. Quite a few of our thoughts are about what we think other people think about us. But mostly they're not thinking about us. They're thinking about themselves, just like we are. It's really good to notice that. And as one teacher said, you know, what other people think of you, it's none of your business. In a sense, it's their practice, what they think. But to see, oh, what happens with my mind? How much thought is concerned with the sense of self? And as another teacher once observed, you know, you would spend a lot less time, this teacher said, you'd spend a lot less time worrying about what other people think of you if you knew how little time they spent doing it. It's not to say people don't care about us, and we not about others, but so much of the thought is this self-constructing process that Akinchino spoke to last night, where we're trying to create, re-establish, maintain, or adjust in a positive way the sense and the story of me. And surprisingly, we might discover when the mind becomes quiet that the sense of our life continues quite well without that construct. It's not required for what's happening. I sometimes think of it a little bit like a, a clown who comes into the circus after the performance and says, it was me, I was doing all of that. And it wasn't actually me. It was the acrobat, or it was the, the dancer, or it was the... What other performance was there before? But that sense of, I'm doing all of this, it's me making it happen, is also just a thought. And yet it's also really important to hold with compassion what happens for us when the thinking, and if there are strong, charged, challenging patterns of thinking, how 
challenging, how difficult that can be to hold and to handle. And often what that means, if they're recurring, if they're repetitive, if they're compelling, if we can't easily put them down, it means there's some degree of emotional charge connected with them that we're not yet fully holding. We may not even be aware of it, (coughs) but we might even be aware of it, and yet we're not yet able to fully hold it. And the movement into thinking actually tends to express a movement away from feeling the experience that emerges from it. So if there's some fear and I'm thinking about the bad things that might happen and then I'm trying to think of how I can prevent them happening, then I'm trying to remember what caused them in the past and how to prevent that ever happening again. And da, 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 da. But that's actually not here and now. What's here and now is a feeling of fear or anxiety. And if I can feel that, I don't need to resolve the story it's producing. I can just be present right here. So coming into the body, checking in with where we might notice sensations, vibrations, somatic experience connected with the thought pattern, and just settling with that is more useful when the thought has charge than trying to directly see the thought or stay with the content of it. At other times, if it feels more light, there's more space. We start to notice between each thought and the next, there's some space. We can just notice the space out of which the thought emerges and into which it returns and dissolves and disappears. As things become even more quiet, sometimes we notice the space in the thoughts. and Actually, even the words or the images that appear in the mind, they're not quite so solidly constructed. We must feel the tenuousness. And it's not that we should be having one experience, like really soft, tenuous thoughts, or another experience, like really compelling, strong ones, but whichever experience you're having, just learning, seeing, exploring what's useful and skillful here to handle. It can be very helpful just to name, as I mentioned, the, the sort of the stronger or more familiar patterns. Judging thoughts, just to call them judging. Don't give yourself a hard time for judging. That's just another judgment. Notice it. It's, ah, oh, here am I judging. Oh, I shouldn't be judging. Judging's not very spiritual. Oh, it's another judgment. Ah, interesting. Gosh, I've been judging for a long time now. Huh? It's another judgment. Oh. Wow. God, when am I going to, oh, when am I going to come to the end of judgment? Oh, that's future. Future thought. Okay. At some point, we notice what's happening. We can come back. Not evaluating on the basis of what happens, but interested to see what's going on. Sometimes we need to be quite firm and committed in moving the, way, the attention away from something that's strongly compelling by way of thought, to bring the attention somewhere that feels more solid, more steady, more grounding. If it's compelling, if it's charged, sometimes we need to open the attention into the body. Sometimes maybe the field of hearing can be very useful. There's a certain quality of spaciousness when we just tune into hearing. Where we don't quite have a sense of being so located inside or outside. And that can be really helpful sometimes to deal with compelling or sticky thinking patterns. As an alternative to coming into the body, sometimes opening up to thought, 
sorry, opening up to sound. And just tuning into that. And it's almost like going into that more receptive listening place, meeting thought as we meet sound, just something that comes and then goes. And so we continue in our practice. It's not that all the things we have suggested have to be executed by you in every moment or every sitting or even every day. Orientations such as we are offering, if they're useful, to be included. If they don't seem useful or necessary, you can drop them. You don't have to be paying attention to thinking today. If you get simply lost in it every time you do, it's probably not the best thing. But just notice, wow, it's really sticky for me. It's really compelling. Wow, that's how it is right now. More skillful then to be in the body. And when we can find ourselves able to just attend to a thought as a thought, contemplating it. The nature of this. Temporary, ephemeral, changing. Not in itself capable of giving us lasting satisfaction. And not something we can ultimately claim as our own. Not something that defines us. And particularly where the thoughts are telling us something about what the thought seems to think or believe we are or are not. Noticing the thoughts associated with self-image, self-definition, self-identity. Seeing how we can easily get into struggles with these. So much of our struggle with experience is around whether the experience allows us to tell a story of me that feels okay. Or whether it compels us to tell a story of me that feels not okay. So a good meditation is a nice enough thing, but it's really significant to us because then I can be a good meditator. And a difficult meditation is a challenging thing, no doubt. But it becomes a really challenging thing if it becomes the basis of concluding that now I'm a bad meditator or a a failure as a human being, which is a remarkable conclusion to draw on the basis of the fact that one's mind wandered a couple of times or maybe half a dozen and we find ourselves doing it. So noticing those particular thoughts really helpful. Not to judge them or reject them, but just huh? a gentle pinch of salt. You have that expression, take it with a pinch of salt. Don't too quickly believe the content of the thinking mind. And then at times we might find it useful as we practice to gather the attention back in to the body and the breathing, to keep it more simple. This felt sense of sitting right here, breathing in, breathing out. And what that is like for you right now. But not holding to that as a definition of your practice. When there's more steadiness, stability, clarity, the attention can move more freely without becoming trapped or entangled. We can notice a sound. We can sense a place of contraction or discomfort in the body or a sense of delightful, sweet feeling in the body. We can notice those qualities of pleasant, unpleasant and neither with each experience. We can notice the mind is expansive or contracted 
flavored by reactivity or informed by clarity. And we can notice the content of what appears in this heart-mind, of which thought and image is a primary element. And there's more to it, but that's probably enough for us to be going on with for now. Just noticing, oh, this content of the citta. There's the condition of the citta, and then there's the content, what appears in it. And we notice that too. Ah, this. And if that seems like a few too many things, then simplify it. Just maybe take a little time to focus with one or two, the body and the sense of looking at thought, being with the state of the heart-mind, the citta, or just attending to pleasant, unpleasant, neutral for a little while, working with that, and then maybe opening up again or gathering in again. Learning the art of what it means to be awake is to be responsive to the conditions that emerge of which our intentionality and engagement are one and an important part of those conditions. So we continue to practice in this way and again settling deeply in to this embodied experience human being sitting right here just where you are on the earth and beneath the sky amidst breathing life this body breathing and experience appearing just as it does. Being awake for this, conscious with this, sensitive to this, Returning to this. Just as you are.
this day we have is a precious day. The retreat is not forever, but there's still two full days of practice before we come to the ending. And to really stay here for this, you may notice your mind begin to come, become a little more interested in what happens next, beyond, after, as if this has already somehow finished, and it hasn't. Two days is a lot of time when we're actually present for a few more moments than we were in the earlier days. And at the same time, it can move more quickly. So if you notice your mind moving towards what's next, come back to really allow yourself to receive the full benefit of the cultivation and the development that you've been engaging in, the wholesome and beautiful qualities of heart and mind that deepen in this process, to allow yourself to steep in the quiet, in the sensitivity, in the kindliness that's here within us and around us as it grows and deepens. To take real care with the container, the framework that's here, with the silence, not leaking into the urge to engage with someone, even silently, to hang out a little with someone we might know. Please don't, even silently, do that. Let yourself and everyone else be here. We're together but also exploring what it means to be just with ourselves. To notice what is possible for us in deepening here. So we might find our bodies able and our mind is open to sustaining the period of sitting or walking or standing beyond what the schedule suggests. And just as we don't have to come somehow make it to the end of the period, nor do we somehow have to stop just because we've come to the end of the period. And many people will find naturally the sitting begins to lengthen. So as you leave the hall and when you return, some will continue practicing or will have already begun. And so acknowledging that and how you move with sensitivity and respect, not just here in the space of the hall, but in fact throughout the center in everything you do. Make it a meditation, an expression of care, of reverence, of curiosity. One of my teachers, when asked how, how can we deepen our practice, he would respond, eat less, sleep less, practice more. Simple, really. It doesn't mean deprive yourself of sleep or of food, but if you don't need quite so much, 
See what happens if you take a little less. And if you think you can stay engaged a little more, explore that and see what happens in your practice. It's not about the form or the shape, but the sustaining of the interest, the willingness, the courage, the commitment, and the dedication. It's heart, mind, and body here to this experience, this moment, and this framework in which the human heart can wake up in ways profound, remarkable, beautiful, and also quite simple and ordinary. It doesn't ever happen somewhere else. Only here, only now, and with this. And so as you go through the day also, in the sitting, standing, walking, and the being present in the midst of eating and visiting the bathroom or resting or whatever we might be doing, when we notice that we're touched by what's here, that we're touching and being touched in a way that resonates, that feels it has significance, just pause and let yourself be touched. Let yourself receive what there may be of meaningfulness, of communication, of receptivity, sensitivity, presence, whatever it might speak to you of. Just go slowly and allow yourself to, in a way, savor what comes to you. Allow it to impact you. Those moments of quiet, just as much as those moments of challenge, we're invited to really be here for, to turn towards. To not pick up, but neither to push away from. And so, the day will unfold. There is... um, Now time for walking, or standing, or further sitting if you wish. And also some small groups and individual meeting spaces. If you've written to us or been in communication with us about meeting up, please check the note. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.